I don't think you can make this up. I, I, I don't even, I don't even know what to do with this. You can tell, hey, Mike here with Restoring the Faith. I'm in the catacombs now, and uh, this is part of a new and improved, I think, uh, Restoring the Faith Media YouTube and Facebook studio. Uh, I'm going to read you an article, and I think I think I set this to loop. Hopefully there's not that much noise, so it doesn't bother you that much. I think I'm live, and I hope that this is working. I'm using a brand new machine. I'm downstairs now in an undisclosed bunker location. Yes, this is a real this is a real brick wall behind me. Stones. This is not a green screen, ladies and gentlemen. We're in the catacombs and we need to get used to it. But to our story, to our top story tonight. There's a priest in Kansas City, St. Joseph, Missouri. Kansas City. His name is Father Don Farnan. And Father Don Farnan has written an interesting piece. I'm actually just going to read it to you while you watch him dance for the stars so you know exactly who this priest is. I think he's just going to be on loop. Hopefully you can't hear it that much. It's entitled Aberrant Subculture. In the 1950s and 60s, high school and college seminaries were packed with boys and young men, 15 to 22, wearing cassocks, smoking cigarettes, and trying to grow up within structures permitted by priests charged with forming them to become clerics. As one of them recalls, they treated us like boys, dressed, up, dressed us like girls, and expected us to act like men. They isolated us from the world and sent us to, con- to, con- to conduct complex social systems within churches, schools, and neighborhoods. They were indoctrinated into a clerical culture that has experienced pendulum swings from then until now. They aren't many high school boarding facilities remaining. And few college seminaries, realizing that many candidates for priests that join after earning a college degree, have widened their curricula. But there, and in our graduate-level seminaries today, indoctrination and clerical culture still exists. I am personally blessed by many aspects of my seminary training, especially the habit of prayer that was instilled in me and the introspective aspects of formation that helped me and many former seminarians gain self-awareness, self-understanding, and hopefully self-betterment. Does this sound like a self-help book for you? Like many of you, I do not understand the peripheral things advocated by many young priests wearing cassocks, saying mass in Latin, turning their backs on the congregation, or obsessing over orthodoxy. We've probably all heard stories about young priests spooked by their own sexuality who routinely lambast the LGBT community from pulpits. Others who refuse to give communion to family members at funerals and weddings because they are in illicit or invalid marriages while the priest is engaged in his own affair. Others who won't permit women or girls into the altar area or into ministries because of their gender. Most of us, including the Pope, have grown tired of this kind of clericalism that is tolerated by some bishops and encouraged by some Catholics. The odd orientum posture, turning one's back to the congregation, may have a noble and dignified place in worship as the leader in prayer lifts his arms and speaks to God on behalf of all gathered. Yet since Vatican II Council, we have come to know the value 
of not just pointing to God out there, but also to God in our midst. Oh, in our midst, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Similarly, liturgical Latin and cassocks served a place in history as official language and ancient wardrobe, but do not seem relevant today. There are numerous theories as to why guys are attracted to them. A high percentage of priests ordained in this young century were homeschooled and or come from households that hold to rigid ideologies. A significant percentage also come from the unstable households in which parents were married multiple times. So which is it, mister? Which is it, Father Farnan? Are these rigid households or are these loose households? Well, I guess it's any households, I guess. Continuing on his article, two more paragraphs. Many of these priests crave structure, and they administer unbending order. Yet, many of them are quickly disappointed and leave active ministry within their first ten years of the priesthood. They join a religious community for a while, take a sabbatical, fall in love for the first time and marry, or do uncharacteristic or shocking acts that destroy them and devastate others. This priest has done nothing shocking and has devastated exactly no one, as this YouTube video that's looping next to me uh, demonstrates. This is from 2010, when Father Farnan was dancing with the stars. Look at him. Continuing with his diatribe. Some are not equipped to deal with the chaos of life. Theirs or those they serve, and some, after realizing that they are imperfect according to standards set by church or parents, hate themselves. Still others build psychological walls to shelter themselves, much as the corporate church has habitually protected itself. Well, on that point, I agree. The corporate church has habitually protected itself, and we all know that to be true. Final paragraph. The church is not the only organism with negative subcultures within its structures. In my college fraternity, there was hazing and pillaging, drinking to excess and seeking conquests of various forms in business. There are endless stories of young entrepreneurs employing nefarious tactics to outpace competition. Most of us grow from and grow old out of such antithetical behavior, leaving it to the past like smoking and sexism. Hopefully, young priests will grow out of the clerical subculture with sometimes overlaps with the subculture of social awkwardness and or sexual confusion and sometimes manifests in turning away from people or hiding deep-seated issues in language or appearance to orthodoxy. Jesus was as unorthodox as they come. It drove the rigid religious leaders of his time crazy. I pray that all of us can help our church move to a healthier place in imitation of Christ for the sake of those who follow us. In that last point, I just would ask the viewer out loud who is subjected, I'm so sorry that you are subjected to this man wearing a leather vest, what is this? And dancing with the stars, wearing leather pants, leather vest, if he is imitating Christ, if that's what he's doing, because... That's what he appears to be claiming to want to do, and that's what he is correcting these homeschooled, rigid, cassock-wearing seminarians and young priests who don't imitate the Christ. Yes, he is still a priest. Some are asking in the live chat, yes, he's still a priest. In fact, not only is he a priest, 
He is a pastor of a major parish in the Diocese of Kansas City, St. Joseph. His name is there for you to find, Father Don Farnan. You can contact him. You can contact the Diocese of Arch of uh, Kansas City, Missouri. You can ask Bishop, uh, what's his name, Bishop Johnston, why this man continues to be able to write, as he writes, against what? Orthodoxy? Against rigidity? Against homeschooling? My favorite part of the article was, well, these young men come from morally rigid households. They also come from morally broken households. Okay, so they come from everywhere. At least you're being uh, inadvertently honest there, Father Farnan at St. Barameo Parish. Uh, You can find the rest of his screed. Now, I'm told, or I suspect, he probably is not even allowed to be writing this blog. If you were to scroll the blog, I should do a screen share and scroll the blog, but I just can't, I just can't help myself. You're just, you're, you're, you're watching what you have to watch. If you were to do a screen share of this particular blog, if you were to check it out, if you were to go to Charge with St. Charles, just Google Charge with St. Charles by Father Don Farnan, and just, just check it out. He has an article called Trump Derangement Syndrome. He has articles about anti-Semitism and anti-feminism. All, he, he's against everything. He's against everything that you're for, and he's for everything that you're against. Yes, he's still a priest. He's a priest supposedly in good standing, and my hunch is that he continues to write this blog in abject flying in the face of his local ordinary. If I were his local ordinary, I would tell him you are banned from publishing your drivel online. That's what I would do. And I'm certain that that probably has happened to this man. But being that his ideology is dying out, he's getting desperate. He sees that the demographics are moving against him. We all do. We all can see that the young priests want to learn orthodoxy. They want to read St. Alphonsus. They want to face away from their people, turn their backs on the congregation. Oh, the humanity! And they want to face their creator. They want to face Almighty God. They want to lead their, their flocks, not just moralize to them. They want to inspire them, not entertain them. The Mass is a sacrifice to these young priests, not a puppet show to be put on to gain a few pity laughs from boomer jokes. So he knows that the demographics are turning against him, this priest does, and he is lashing out online. The only thing he knows how to do. And the only reason why this thing came across my desk is because Father Z picked it up. Father Z picked up this article. And I, I believe the last line of Father Z's analysis, or close to the last line of it anyway, was that the only thing that the left knows, how they don't know how to argue. The left, they don't know how to argue. The only thing they know how to do is cancel other people because they're bullies that's exactly what this guy is father father farnan you're a bully well guess what now you're a famous bully and you're a famous dancing bully how, how about them apples father farnan hey check him out check out his website follow him and do me the good favor of asking his superiors asking his ordinary why is he still a priest Why is he a pastor? Why is he allowed to publish his anti-Catholic ideas online? 
Thanks for watching. By the way, this little timeline I put together is pretty handy. Today is the day that Vatican III has begun. Vatican III. I say that rather tongue-in-cheek because the Synod on Synodality begins. The Synod on Synodality in which Pope Francis proudly proclaims that he's going to change the church. It's a meeting about how to have meetings. And really what it is, is it's a meeting about balkanization of the Catholic Church. Let the Germans be Germans and marry gays and, and prostitutes and give communion to Protestants. Let them build their altars of earth in reparation to Mother Earth for all the sins of ecological um, um, decay. Meanwhile, you can let the African church be the African church. They can be orthodox. They can be whatever. Uh, that is the, the way forward for Pope Francis, and that is Vatican III that begins today. It's a multi-year process. Of course, it begins today on the anniversary of the opening of the Second Vatican Council. I wonder if that is a coincidence. So I put together this timeline of events of the last two years. It shows you exactly why we've been living through this hell and how it started. And it started with interreligious pseudo-dialogue, ecumenical studies gone wild, and unfortunately the grave sin of blasphemy and idolatry. There is a fire burning at the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. This church is 850 years old. It's visited by 12 million people every year. first live broadcast on YouTube seven days ago, and we told you that if you have the opportunity to go to Mass, it may be your last. 